everyone. You're listening to the Health and Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Alison Mitchell, a practicing naturopath, and you can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au. These podcasts will feature discussions on various health conditions, health tips, and nutrition from a naturopathic perspective. Sometimes it's just me, sometimes I'm interviewing guests. All the time, I hope to share with you information on health and wellbeing with the aim to empower and educate. Please remember that all information is general and not a specific recommendation that replaces consulting with a practitioner. Please talk to your healthcare practitioner before undertaking any changes to your treatment regime. Everyone, thanks for joining us again today for part two of the Adrenal Fatigue podcast. So last time we talked all about the causes of adrenal fatigue and today we're going to be talking about the things that you can actually do to help manage it. So we're going to be talking about diet, we're going to be talking about lifestyle, we're going to be talking about herbs and supplements as well. Just a disclaimer though, remember that it is important to actually see a practitioner if you do just suspect that you have anything going on, but hopefully this information that we're going to talk about today is just going to give you a little bit of um, a guide in the right direction. How are you going, Lisa? <laughs> I'm good, thanks, Alison. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Doing well. So, um, almost at the end of the pregnancy now, so by mm-hmm. the time this comes out, I'll have been well and truly popped. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I bet you're looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Can't wait to meet him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Lovely. Yeah, it's a boy. And so I guess if anyone was listening last time, they they found out that you you like to really work with people with thyroid problems and adrenal Mm. fatigue. That's that's your thing. Um, So I'm really excited to actually do to help it. So what would be the typical sort of situation where someone comes to you and you, sus- you suspect that they've got adrenal fatigue? So as based on last time, you've sent them off for a cortisol test mm. and then it comes back as a few different situations. So what, where would we go from there? Okay, so the treatment is dependent upon what stage of adrenal fatigue they come back with. So stage one, stage two and stage three, the treatment protocol around these different stages is quite different, which is why it's such a good idea to test. So stage one, we're usually seeing, remember, high cortisol and high DHEA. And stage two, we might see um, normal cortisol or high cortisol cortisol, and then um, normal DHEA, DHEA or high DHEA. And then stage three, we're seeing low cortisol and low DHEA. So obviously the treatment's going to be different. If someone's got high cortisol, you're going to treat them with different herbs and different nutrients compared with if they've got really low cortisol because, you know, we want to do two different things there. Okay. And then what about the lifestyle techniques? Do you do that differently for each stage as well? Even the lifestyle techniques are quite different, particularly when it comes to exercise. Um, People who have stage one adrenal fatigue because they have high cortisol, they can usually get away with doing more. But stage three adrenal fatigue, these people really shouldn't be out there doing a lot of cardiovascular exercise, so boxing and marathons and training for fun runs and things like that. They're just depleting themselves further. So even my recommendations around exercise are quite different. And often with a stage three adrenal fatigue um, person, I will say don't exercise even though it's contrary to what we're told, you know, and they might say, oh, but I feel so lazy if I don't exercise. Their body's actually going to heal a lot better if they they rein it in a little bit and give it a bit more time to rest and rejuvenate. And often the weight will come off with these people um, because sometimes they have difficulty losing weight and they say, oh, my gosh, you know, really 
I don't have to exercise and I'm still losing weight. It's it's great. Yeah, these people might have been exercising a couple of hours a day to, in mm. order to try and lose the weight. Mm. But once you sort of get that out of the system and the adrenals start to feel a bit better, then the hormones get better and weight comes off that's right and these people also like to do exercise they can be a little bit addicted to exercise because exercise as we know stresses out our body and it increases our cortisol so when we exercise our cortisol is higher so we if you're adrenal fatigue due to that increase in cortisol you temporarily feel quite good because you're stressing your body out but it's then afterwards, so later on that day or the day after, that they feel really depleted and exhausted, and that's because they push their body more than it can take, um, and it, it can't maintain that. So if you're not feeling great after doing exercise, if you're feeling really tired and fatigued, of course it's normal to feel a little bit tired and fatigued, but if it's, you know, have to sit on the couch all day or have to lie in bed and can't get up in the morning, then you know that that your body just can't handle that at the moment and it's better for you if you're in a stage three adrenal fatigue person to be doing something like a gentle walk maybe 20 minutes in the sun not fast paced just you know at a nice rate or doing something like pilates or yoga which is just a little bit um less stressful to the body whereas stage one you probably still can go for a bit of a run or, or do something like that yeah, and, and what I find as well is that a lot of these people who are fatigued sort of feel like they're being lazy, but it's you're not tired. And then um, that's not because you were lazy in the first place. It's because you were the opposite. Exactly, that's right. <laughs> Whereas in the, there can be the complete opposite side of things where like people who are under-exercising can then um, have a depletion of the mitochondrial cells and, and mm. then increase like obesity as a result of that, which causes... Um, adrenal fatigue on its own right so mm -hmm. that you've got like the you need to have, strike that balance and and feel, do what feels good I think is the is the key um, yeah. so mm -hmm. for people who are not exercising enough then that can be a problem and, and similarly over exercise can definitely be a problem so mm -hmm. I think that um, just as a general rule like if you are yeah still t like you said before like if you're, if you're still tired after about 20 minutes or so then you might have been pushing yourself a little bit too far Mm. And I think it's important for us to listen to our body and listen to the cues that it gives us because often people bypass that information and they go with, oh, but I just should, the doctor said I should be exercising, so that's what I should do. Not looking at what specific types of exercise and what sort of timing is appropriate for them. So listen to the cues that your body is giving you. If you're feeling tired, it's a sign that, you know, it doesn't want you to go out and try and. Um, walk or, or go on the treadmill for 45 minutes or do some aerobic style exercise listen to your body and it gives us the right messages often the, the most common situation I see in people who are over exercising is people who are doing crossfit really intensely and also people who are doing marathon running and mm. like but they need a couple of coffees before they start to get <laughs> going that's a sign that, you know, if you need a performance in Heartsar, then maybe <laughs> things aren't quite right. Yeah, it might be a little sign, yeah. Um, Not that I don't like a coffee myself, no, but um, if you're yeah. reliant on it to, you know, a couple of coffees to, before you can actually do that exercise, um, then, you know, you're probably pushing yourself further than your body can do. Yeah. So, yeah, I think for the, the really long intensity ones as well, 
the other thing with that is that they seem to be pushing themselves for the, throughout the whole year. Like they don't seem to have the seasons. Mm. And so like when we're looking at supporting people who do actually have a specific event to work up to and things like that, we can use herbs to reduce the burnout experience with the exercise. But when it's a constant thing, then that's when your body's going to suffer from that. So mm. I think um, re-evaluating your, your form of exercise and, and doing the a bit more gentle stuff incorporated throughout it as well and, and rethinking the hours. Mm. So everyone's different as well so you've got some people who have just got that that stamina and that constitution where they can absolutely and like great for them but we've got (laughs) they're not like that ourselves Mm. and so yeah just noticing how you feel and then getting a a fluctuation throughout the year in the intensity of the exercise and a variety of types of exercise including um, some some weight training to build up your your muscles mm-hmm. and then um, some flexibility training that's a little bit more sort of slower pace like yoga and pilates mm-hmm. and then the, the cardio can be a bit of a variety of things but um, I think also doing something that's fun <laughs> if you feel yeah. like you're that's an Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But back to what you were saying, though, I'm a huge fan of strength training. Um, I think that it's really valuable, particularly for people who have stage three adrenal fatigue. Um, gives a really good all body workout and often gives you the same results, if not better, than doing aerobic style exercise. So I think it's important to remember, you know, back in the Paleolithic days, we wouldn't have been running on a treadmill for 45 minutes looking at someone else's bum in front of us you know we wouldn't have been doing things like that but we would have been trying to lift heavy things to build ourselves you know um and not cover uh, and all that sort of stuff yeah trying to lift and, and wash Fun- clothes hands. Yeah, yeah functional exactly yeah, and I think that's the, the benefit of actually getting the weight training in, like when you're doing it from a functional perspective. Instead of just doing a bicep curl, you might be doing a burpee or a pull-up, something along those lines, which is actually using your whole body, and you're going to get a lot more benefit and bang for your buck, so to speak. Yeah, that's right. And um, with the stage three people, I do find that the doing the um, the weight training, but doing a slower paced weight training mm. in the morning is quite helpful for boosting the um, HCG hormone, which just helps mm. with that that recovery and repair. So I usually do recommend that people do weights in the morning when they're in that sort of chronic fatigue sort of stage of the that situation. Mm. Absolutely, and I think also work with a work with a trainer who knows what they're doing in relation to that not someone that's just that has no idea about adrenal fatigue and just wants to flog the patient and get them to do, you know run as fast as you can for x amount of time and exhaust them because that's not that's not what it's about when you've got adrenal fatigue your body can't handle that so work with somebody that knows what they're doing there's a really good trainer that um, I work with sometimes and he's fantastic because he can sort of recognize when that's happening and so mm. he'll he'll get them to, to do a burst of something and then to rest and bring mm. heart rate down as opposed to when you um, have someone that doesn't know the situation, they'll just go push, 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 push. Mm. <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you don't want that stress. No. Also, similarly, the way that they, they're... Um, motivating you you don't want someone yelling at you in the in your ear the some whole people time like that some people love that style i don't at all but i know some people want to be abused at the gym I know. Yeah, they've got to have that so that they can do their thing that's right 
Mm. But I, I, yeah, like I just wonder whether that's good for people with adrenal fatigue or not to have that added source of stress. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, awesome. So I think we've really covered everything that we needed to talk about with in terms of exercise. So something else I think is really important to take into account is that often people think stage three adrenal fatigue when we talk about it or when we read about it, that it sounds very all doom and gloom and like the person wouldn't be able to get out of bed and they're dragging themselves around all day. They wouldn't be able to to maintain a job or, or function very well. But actually that's not true at all. I see a lot of stage three adrenal fatigue patients and I've been one myself and they can actually have quite a high level um, of functioning they can you know main keep keep their jobs and do really well and and still cook and shop and all that sort of stuff but it's an effort for them but they can they can still do that so just because you know if, if you if you're able to go about your life and, and do lots of little things and juggle um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not a stage three adrenal fatigued person. People often surprise themselves and when they come into the clinic and I talk about this and they'll say, oh, I don't think I'm a stage three, you know, I, I can still do this and that and so on. But then their test results come back and they are actually just really depleted. They are so used to functioning at that level that they don't know any different. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's how you get that way in the first place mm. because you do push through and you, mm. um, you, you're not – able to sort of say I'm feeling a bit tired I think I should take a break mm, exactly <laughs> that's when that's when you get to that stage mm. yeah. yeah I think that's a really great point and um, so many people when you read about all this information that's out there people just say just suck it up princess just sort of <laughs> <laughs> like you're just tired it's, it's, it's not that same sort of tired <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's there's you've got you're sleepy tired or you haven't had a good night's sleep tired, and then you've got adrenal fatigue tired and chronic fatigue tired and, and all those other things. It's actually something going on, mm. and like don't don't listen to those people who are trying to tell you that you're you're in your own head that it's that it's not you. Mm. So in terms of diet, there's a lot that needs to be addressed in that area as well. I, I feel like, and we've spoken about this in the last episode as well, but one of the key things is keeping your blood sugar levels regular. Um, and the benefit of keeping doing a low blood sugar level diet, or sorry, a regular blood sugar level diet, is that a lot of the time that fixes everything before you need to go in with some more hardcore interventions. Um, but then it is still important, even if it's not, the main cause as well. Mm. Yeah, cortisol plays a really important role in blood sugar regulation and often just switching to a whole food diet, ensuring that there's plenty of nutrients, plenty of fruit and vegetables for fibre and, you know, some sort of protein at every meal, whether that's vegetable or animal, is really, really helpful. So nutrient diet um, for people who have adrenal fatigue, stage three, I generally suggest you know, lots of small frequent meals to keep their blood sugar more stable, not skipping breakfast. There are some people, if we look at them from a constitutional perspective, that can get away with skipping breakfast occasionally. But for stage three adrenal fatigue people, they really do need to put something into their system, um, particularly if they're coffee drinkers. You know, one thing that I see quite frequently is people starting the day with a coffee with, before putting any food into their... And unfortunately... This puts their body straight into sympathetic nervous 
dominance because coffee increases our cortisol levels. So we go straight into fight or flight. And for an adrenally fatigued person, you know, that's the opposite to what we want to achieve. So if they still want to have their caffeine, which I, you know, I do understand because they, they're often quite fatigued and tired, tired, I suggest eating something before they have the coffee. And then instead of having maybe a full strength, have, have a weak or something like that instead of going in there with a, you know, double shot, whatever. <laughs> mm. yeah, definitely. Um, and I think the, the more nutrient dense the food, the better. That's right. So you can imagine too, you know, having a coffee first thing in the morning and then not eating, you're going to have a massive blood sugar crash, which is going to impact the HPA mm. um, access quite dramatically. So yeah, you know, coffee depletes us, depletes us also of all those important nutrients, particularly B vitamins, which is so important for adrenal function. So mm. we need to just be really aware of that. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get into nutrients in a second. Um, I think one of the other things in terms of like avoiding um, trigger foods, so caffeine being one of them, the other thing can be potentially like if you've got a food intolerance or a mm. food allergy, then if you're continuing to eat that sort of food and you're recognize that it causes you some issues then that's going to be placing stress on on your nervous system but it's also going to be creating inflammation and if you remember from last time inflammation is a key player in this because of the way that it affects the hypothalamus in that hpa axis dysfunction so doing an elimination and rechallenge diet can be beneficial and um most of the time, people are finding that they're reacting to wheat and dairy and eggs as, as the most common ones. Um, so if you don't want to do a full-on elimination diet, you could always look at doing that first. Um, and I think that apart from avoiding caffeine, also keeping sugar to a minimum as part of that low GI diet and just making sure that you're drinking lots and lots of water as well is really important mm. as well. Mm. Um, you've also got to get your gut healthy. And so in order to do that, um, there's the avoiding of the food intolerances. But you might also find that having more fermented foods can be helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. Fermented foods are beneficial for putting in some good bacteria. So it's a probiotic-rich food. And so that could be things like sauerkraut, kimchi, kefir, kombucha. Mm -hmm. Um, Bone broth is also well, something that a lot of people do find helpful and the benefit of bone broth is that you're getting a broader range of nutrients that you do need for hormone health when we tend to just be eating like um, chicken breast and steak all the time rather than having your more gelatinous cuts of meat the amino acids that we're actually getting from these these meat sources is actually going to be more prone to making our thyroid dysfunctional so we want to be having a nose to tail approach to eating um, and seaweed. I love seaweed in case anyone doesn't know, <laughs> but that gives you a lot of the um, minerals that you need for your adrenal function as well. Mm, fantastic. So one of the other things that's really important for people with adrenal fatigue and chronic fatigue sort of situation as well is um, sleep issues. So what might be happening is maybe you're not getting enough, maybe you're not getting the right quality, or um, maybe you're actually getting too much sleep as well because too much sleep can be problematic for some people on its own. So um, for sleep hygiene, one of the things that we want to be, some of the things that we want to be thinking about for that is that you want to be um, making sure that you're not too stimulated before you trying to go to sleep. So that could be avoiding playing on the phone or the computer or using the TV 
um, right before you go to bed. And the other aspect with that as well is that um, the blue light of the TV screen and the computer screen as well actually can interfere with your melatonin hormone. Mm. And so then that can be problematic for some people because then if your melatonin is out, then your cortisol is going to go out as well. But if your cortisol is out, then your melatonin is going to go out as well because they're antagonists with each other. So what should be happening is cortisol should be high in at the start of the day and it mm. drops down and then makes room for melatonin to then take over. Mm. So we make melatonin through our eyes in exposure to light and so that's getting some sunlight the first thing in the morning and then when the light is removed by um, the night time coming on and turning off the lights and starting to wind down, then our body gets this sleepy message happening as well. So there are other hormones that are involved as well in sleep. Um, so we actually need to look at it from a melatonin perspective as well as the other sleep hormones. Uh, and that's where things like, like too much caffeine can be affecting mm. our sleep hormones because that will actually interfere with those sleepy hormones. And so avoiding caffeine and other stimulating foods and drinks after around, well, usually around 3 o'clock but earlier if you're much more susceptible to it depending mm. on how well you detoxify the caffeine. Mm -hmm. Um, is, is worthwhile as well. So with regards to sleep hygiene, I do think it's nice to have some sort of little routine um, if you're having difficulty sleeping. So, you know, I have to put my little girl to bed and I often read her a little story, but I have to obviously put the lights off. Some people sleep with the light on or the computer on or the TV on. I think it's really important, as we've said, to make sure all those things are off so that our eyes adjust to the fact that it is night and our hormones do too. And then I play her lullabies and honestly, I put it to bed at 7.30 sometimes and I'm ready to fall asleep myself because the music is just so relaxing. So I think playing some really nice relaxing music can be helpful. I also love to recommend to my clients who find it difficult to wind down and have an overactive mind at night to do a guided meditation, some yoga nidra. And that, you know, they may not necessarily fall asleep during the guided meditation, but they'll definitely get their brain into a different into a more relaxed state so guided meditation tends to be a lot easier than just trying to sit there cross-legged and trying to clear the mind which is almost impossible because um, otherwise we'd be dead if nothing was going on in our head but the guided meditation just is, is much easier because someone's telling you what to do so you know feel your toes and relax your fingers one gently one by one um, I find just is a really nice way to stop that brain that's ruminating a lot um, warm baths, warm showers, having a shower in the dark, even with candles and things like that can be just a lovely thing. And I guess it just depends on what your, what your cup of tea is or what, what your sense is. Because for some people it will be that auditory sort of stuff and then for others it will be more of the sensory stuff. So they prefer to um, light candles or oil, burn oils, and that relaxes them and helps them to get to sleep a bit better or even putting a bit of essential oil on their pillowcase. Um, but I think, you know, continuity is really important and just it's really about retraining your brain and retraining your body, the, you know, getting it out of that, that overstimulation that can occur at night and that takes time and practice. Yeah, I like that point. It's it's retraining your brain. So setting up a routine, almost like you're forming a habit. So this is what I do to wind down and then bang, you can 
you can go off and I think I mean everyone will have a bad night's sleep occasionally so don't let that throw you if it mm. happens but um, trying to get it consistent is, is really good and and a lot of my patients do find that their mind is just racing way too much mm. before they fall asleep or they wake up at certain times of the night and their mind is racing so I I find personally that having something that I can just write down what mm-hmm. I'm thinking mm-hmm. and sort of just sort of get that done almost like a tick um, can be helpful but if it's if it's really cons- cons- um, if it's really bad then get up and do something about it and then go back to bed rather than lying there dwelling on it because mm-hmm. otherwise you're just gonna stay awake for the rest of the night mm-hmm. um, so do you want to get in, let's get into more of the specific nutrients. Mm. Okay, well, one of my favorite nutrients to use is vitamin C, of course. Um, high dose, you know, usually about 5,000 milligrams, depending on the person. And that's because we just churn through so much vitamin C when we're stressed. So our adrenals really need it and we need to get it from the diet. We can't make it ourselves. So, you know, good sources of vitamin C, people often think of oranges and things like that, but there's actually, if we're trying to get up to a, a limit of 5,000 milligrams, there's only about oh, 60 milligrams or under, I think, in an orange. So you need to eat a lot of oranges to get that, that vitamin C. So better sources of vitamin C include things like kiwi fruits and guava, but I think in the case of when somebody has adrenal fatigue, I do like to use a supplement just to get that therapeutic dose in there. Yep. And then when you're looking at using vitamin C supplements, do you tend to use any specific type? Um, of forms of vitamin C? Yeah. Um, not really. Um, usually maybe like ascorbic acid. Um, yeah. Yeah. Prefer, I like to use it in terms of tablets or powders and things like that. Um, I do like to use a powder because I find it's easier to get it in there. So a scoop might have 2.5 grams. So one scoop in the morning, one scoop at night. Yep. Helpful. I, I like to have um, a bit of a blend of different um, mineral ascorbates. So mm-hmm. rather than just ascorbic acid, you can get a supplements that contain magnesium ascorbate and potassium mm-hmm. ascorbate in there as well. And um, also the foods that... that supplements that contain food forms of vitamin C like mm-hmm. um, like cherry and um, mm. certain other antioxidant rich mm. herbs and things like that as mm. well mm. and I, I, I love the powders as well because you can mm. sort of really target your dose because what mm. a lot of people find as well is that they do get um, a tendency to, cons- um, to, to diarrhea mm. which is that bowel tolerance that a lot of people talk about with vitamin C and it doesn't mean that it's hurting you or anything it just means that you've, you've sort of had too much for that point so, so mm. drop it down to the dose mm. a little bit slower. That's right. <laughs> Magnesium is also a great one for the adrenals as well yep. and um, just really really nourishing um, and particularly good where there is that stress picture or that inability to cope with things and yeah. Do you use a lot of magnesium in your clinic? I use a lot of magnesium. It's probably one of my favourites. And mm. I would say, like, if vitamin C is your favourite, then magnesium is mm. probably mine. Mm. And um, that can really help with just soothing that nervous system imbalance mm. that's occurring. Yeah. And um, I find that you've got to be careful with the type of magnesium that you get. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Because a lot of the conventional 
magnesium supplements that you might find on the shelf are magnesium oxide, which is a heavy form of magnesium, and that can cause diarrhea. And you know what, if, if you're actually using magnesium for treating constipation, that's great. Whereas if we're using it for stress, then diarrhea is not something that you generally want. Um, when you're experiencing you're also experiencing a depletion of a lot of your neurotransmitters so when you pass a bowel motion and um, you get this normal rush of dopamine whereas when you get diarrhea you release a lot more of it and so we want to actually reserve and contain our dopamine in, in people with adrenal fatigue. So going for something um, like a form similar to like a magnesium citrate or an amino acetylate or a diglycinate um, is more beneficial for people with adrenal fatigue because then it's going to be much more gentle on the digestive system and um, it can also be much better absorbed and specific for fatigue as well. Another one that's quite helpful for muscle soreness is magnesium malate and um, yeah, magnesium orotate is also quite helpful for the heart as well. So um, if you're experiencing um, heart-related um, symptoms with your adrenal fatigue and stress picture mm. or HPA axis dysfunction, whatever we want to call it, then that can be helpful too. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then I, I would say my other favourite um, nutrient to use or complex is a good B complex and I love the activated Bs and um, the Dr. Vera's ones. So I find those work beautifully and again for a stage three I might actually do two of those, one in the morning and one at lunchtime just to give them a little bit of an extra kick. Um, obviously it's got some of the activated forms of B vitamins in so less work for the body to do and then nice I, I like to really work on that b5 as well because it's so important for for that stress aspect too yeah definitely because b b5 is the main one that we do need for our adrenal mm. as well mm. similarly um vitamin b12 um because that helps with cell, cell energy cell repair mm. Mm. and like you said with the activated b vitamins what we're talking about there is is things like um non-synthetic versions of folic acid and so a lot of people can actually tolerate that quite well but there are some people who can't and mm. so that's that's something it's 20 is it 25 percent of the population that actually have a genetic mutation so is it 25 percent i'm not sure oh. on this on the percentage but mm. It's, it depends. There's a lot of different variations in the mutation mm. that you can get, and mm. there's more mutations on top of MDHFR as well that mm. you can experience mm. um, that affect all of all of that picture. But it all comes down to getting in the right nutrients from mm. food, mm. <laughs> um, and that's a whole food diet. Mm. Absolutely. And don't eat junk that's going to be depleting your nutrients as well, because mm. if you're eating if you're eating caffeine, drinking alcohol, eating a lot of sugar um, or in excess, then you're mm. going to be depleting the magnesium and your B vitamins and your mm. vitamin C and your zinc in order to, to process that. I was Just while we we're on the topic of um, vitamin C, I was reading a study the other day where they, um, they actually gave people enough vitamin C um, to actually replete them so that they had sufficient levels. And then they had another group where they, they didn't do that. And then they stressed both the groups out. Mm. And what they found was that if you had enough vitamin C in the first place, then you didn't get stressed out. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Whereas in the other group, um, they got stressed out and then they lost all their vitamin C. Mm. So you will lose your vitamin C if you're stressed. 
but not so much if you've got enough to begin with. So. Oh, I will feel like I need to go out out to the kitchen and quickly <laughs> <laughs> replenish. Yeah. So that's a really good insight into why stress affects some people more than mm. others. And so apart from constitution and previous stress exposure, your nutrient status will have a lot to do with it as well. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, and yeah, I love zinc as well, actually. So yeah. Zinc for yeah. neurotransmitter production. Mm. So one of the other nutrients that I really love for adrenal fatigue, particularly when there's a high cortisol picture, is something called phosphatidylserine. And this that's is because phosphatidylserine brings down. Yeah. Yeah, mm. that's right. So um, when you're looking at using herbs and things like that, you've got to be really careful about which herbs you're actually using in that early stage of, of um, high cortisol stress because mm. what is typically marketed as being an adrenal supplement is only really um, best suited um, generally for that later stage, whereas when we do testing and things like that, um, we can figure out where you're at and then ta target the supplements according to you. So, yeah, do you use much phosphorine? Yeah, I use it a lot for that high cortisol picture, definitely. So anywhere there's high cortisol, I'll give phosphorine to bring it down. Mm. Yeah. And so to say it say it's high at midday, then I'll give it at eleven o'clock so yeah. that hopefully it brings down that midday. Yeah, in anticipation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked what you said about um, targeting the you know, what stage they're at because it's so true. Say with those standard formulas, they almost always contain licorice, for example, glycorrhiza glabra. And we know that licorice increases or it extends the half-life of cortisol in the body so in somebody who already has really high cortisol levels who's a stage one it's the worst herb to give them because we don't want to extend the half-life of cortisol in their body they've already got plenty of it and similarly with those formulas they usually suggest having one at breakfast and or two at breakfast and two at dinner we don't want to extend the half-life of cortisol at night time at dinner time because that's when we should be winding down so you know there are it's quite an art to prescribing, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. Mm. And um, herbal medicine can really fall prey to that sort of mm. um, issue because when you're looking at supplements and things like that, the, the thing is that licorice will probably have a sentence um, tagged onto it, like good for the adrenal glands, mm. whereas like there's – so much more to learn about herbs they work mm. there's such a complex thing mm. and that's what herbalists and naturopaths do is they mm. they learn that so that they mm. can um, treat people as an individual mm. that's right yeah. yeah rather than just treating symptomatically absolutely yeah. mm. um all right well I guess now would be a good time to move on to herbs for adrenal fatigue but um is there any other nutrient nutrients that you wanted to cover really okay so um licorice we've already covered and that's licorice is an anti-inflammatory and it helps with the immune system so in a lot of the time that can be really helpful when there is that inflammation component of adrenal fatigue going on and there's an immune involvement as well but like we were just saying you, you don't particularly want to be using it when there is a high cortisol picture because mm -hmm. it is going to be too stimulating mm -hmm. and it may be okay to use in the morning if you've mm. got low cortisol in the morning and um, high cortisol at night um, so that you would want to be tweaking what you're taking at times of the day. Another one that's considered to be an adrenal tonic is Romania. 
and right. Romani is, is a lot less stimulating than licorice. Um, it is more of, I consider it to be a rebuilding, nourishing type of adrenal tonic. Um, but And it is also beautiful as an anti-inflammatory as well, which is also something that we need. Mm. Yeah, that's right. What are some other ones that you love? Um, what else do I like as an adrenal tonic? Cognopsis is quite nice too. It tends to work really well. Um, great little adaption too. And then talking about adaptions, even though they're not true adrenal tonics, so they're not working specifically on the adrenals, adaptogen herbs such as rhodiola, um, withania, Siberian ginseng, herbs like that, schizandra chinensis too, they help the body adapt to stress. So even though they're not working specifically on the adrenals because they're helping with that adaption, they they ultimately do help the adrenals out because the body's able to adapt to stress better. So um, there's not such a heightened stress response. So I usually make a formula with all those types of herbs in it too. And if there's low DHEA, then I might throw in something like tribulus in there too just to work on that and that often helps with particularly menopausal, perimenopausal women where their DHEA is low, it helps them improve their libido and just their general vitality. Mm -hmm. I love tribulus for that picture and similarly I find that it can be really helpful for those people who have been overexerting themselves mm -hmm. with exercise and are getting the, um, the injuries really mm -hmm. frequently as well. Yeah. Um, so adaptogens are fantastic uh, and I think this, this goes back to what we were saying last time is that even though we're, we're saying adrenal fatigue, mm. it's not specifically just the adrenals that are um, ha having an issue in people that we usually sort of label with this. It's a really complicated um, condition that we don't really have a great name for the condition at the moment. Um, but with naturopathic medicine, everyone is treated as an individual. So it's something that it gives people a bit more of a um, hope, I mm. find, in that, oh, actually I can understand a bit more about what's what's going on with me. So if you see a good naturopath or herbalist or nutritionist, whoever, then they'll be, they'll sort of say, all right, well, this is what's actually happening in your, in your case, and mm. then they can target the treatment a bit more. Mm. So, yeah, we talk, we talk about adrenal tonics, but, yeah, there's also the adaptogens. Mm. Um, similarly, we also use nervines, which is mm. relaxing herbs that are helping, helping to soothe the nervous system. And, mm. Very uh, nourishing. Anxiety. Yeah, really mm. nourishing. Mm. Um, there's some that are really specifically nourishing as well, um, like we call – we class those herbs as nutritives, mm. so like green oats, for instance, or alfalfa. So that can mm. that can be really helpful for people who just need building up a little bit more. Mm. Yeah, and so where I use a lot of adaptogens in stage stage three adrenal fatigue, which is that kind of exhaustion and depletion, I use a lot more nervines and anxiolytics in the stage one adrenal fatigue because their cortisol levels are so high, they're on high alert all the time, they're prized for attack, there tends to be a lot of anxiety and irritability, just kind of sedating or gently sedating um, the nervous system using things like passion flower and skullcat, which are a beautiful combination together, just help to take the edge of things and help to bring down the anxiety and help with their sleep because these are often the people that are finding it really difficult to sleep at night because they're really wired. So, yeah, whereas with stage three adrenal fatigue, they may not necessarily need that sedation because they're already quite fatigued and sedated and they 
they really benefit from more of this stimulating, the gently stimulating herbs like rhodiola, for example. Um, I'm loving holly basil at the moment. Mm. Um, and Yeah, Tulsi. And it's a beautiful tonic overall, but it's also great for the immune system and reducing inflammation. So it covers so much of those areas that we've identified to be an issue in people with adrenal fatigue. And, and, you know, taking that into account, the immune system is such an important consideration when managing people who have adrenal fatigue because typically their secretory IgA is low when they definitely when they have low cortisol stage 3. Um, their secretory IgA is, is really low and we know that's an immune substance that lines the gut and protects us from, say, parasites and things like that getting into our guts. So often we see with autoimmune conditions, well, what's caused that that immune system to become hyperactive and, and turn, to turn on itself? And usually the research shows that there's some sort of stressful trigger, whether that's an emotional stressor or a microbial stressor or an environmental stressor. So working on the adrenals and really nourishing that person really helps to get that dysregulated immune system in check. It's, really interesting <laughs> I was reading that paper as well about the working on the immune system with it with this case with chronic fatigue syndrome mm-hmm. and so um, herbs that have a balancing effect on the immune system like echinacea can be mm-hmm. really beneficial in that, that situation but certainly treating the gut <laughs> every naturopath loves to treat the gut that's like the the staple but you've got to do both at the same time because if you just treat the gut without treating the nervous system then Absolutely. yeah because often anxiety say somebody's diarrhea can be caused by a nervous system disorder so when they're really anxious all of a sudden their bowels are hyper stimulated so so, yeah, interesting. So if you if you nourish the nervous system, then then the diarrhea might might start stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we make so much serotonin in our digestive system. So you've got to actually think about it from that perspective as well, rather than just you know giving a um, a laxative or a the, the opposite. Mm. It's gone from me at the moment, but <laughs> everyone knows what I mean. Mm. All right, well, we're, we're getting close to the end now, so I think we'll um, say goodbye. So thank you so much for everyone for listening, and thank you, Lisa, for, for joining us. It's been such a pleasure having you on again. And um, I think that if anyone wants to get in contact with you, I'll, all the information will be on my blog post and on the links as well, but it's it's lisacostabeernaturopath.com.au, Lisa um, and people can find me on naturopathnsw.com.au. So if you enjoyed what you were um, listening to today, then please um, subscribe on iTunes and leave a nice review. And, yeah, have a great day. And if you do experience any issues, then seek help because there's so much that can be done for you. Bye, everyone.